Hello to everybody who enjoys my work a little inappropriately. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one on one. I think it'll be more fun and I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hello, it's Chris Gethard. You're listening to Beautiful Anonymous. I feel so lucky that you've tuned in. Thanks for downloading the episode. Thanks for checking out the show. Thanks for supporting it. Thanks for telling friends about it. All these years in, we still get to do this. We still get to feel the love, the enthusiasm as we bring these human conversations to the world. And I know, because I tell you what, I've been out there on the road and I've been meeting people who still listen to the show actively. I've been doing the live shows. Last week, we we had one of our live shows. Uh, We released our show from Ann Arbor big time goof and I tell you the comments came in on the Facebook group and I, I watched them with with Clee we had people saying it's it's hard lucky uh, lucky Lizzie in the Facebook group said it's hard st- it's hard for me to run which is what I do when I listen when I'm alternating between laughing and saying out loud WTF got a lot of comments like that Maggie said this was like a fun house of emotions Andrea said I haven't even made it 10 minutes in yet and I've been cry laughing this is feel I tell you you do this you do the show live in Michigan and crazy stuff happens it turns out and and I saw one of my favorite types of comments from somebody who checked in and said you know I haven't really been participating in this Facebook group that much but I I just popped in just to say that I really like this one it's cool to hear it's cool to hear that there's uh, people out there who still take the time to go I'm still a part of this maybe a little bit uh that was Eduardo said that I haven't participated in this group in a long time, but I simply had to say this was one hell of a call from one hell of a goof. Look at that. If you want to see me live, guess what? I'm going to be in Southern California on June 23rd, 24th, and 25th. 23rd, I'm in San Pedro. That show's just about sold out. Go check, but by the time this episode comes out, it might be sold out. But uh, San Diego, we're doing two shows at the Soda Bar on the 24th. Uh, and those the ticket sales are healthy. Would love to see. You can probably snag one. Los Angeles on the 25th. These tickets are not moving. And I know Los Angeles tends to be a town that waits till the last minute. But if you're in the Los Angeles area, you want to see my new hour stand up. It's very emotional. It's about me and my son and my dad and how those relationships all cross over. I'd love to see you. ChrisGeth.com. Gonna be at Zebulon Cafe. Very cool venue on the 25th. Now, hey, this week's show, very, very excited to bring it to you. This is going to be a controversial one and a divisive one. This is a guy who opens up about having an affair with a married woman. Well, he was also married. Um, it, it led to a lot of turmoil in his life, as you can imagine. Talks about wh- what happened with the other party's life. Talked about what led to it, these choices. Talks about what the choices led to, their ramifications. Highs and lows. Mental illness. And, um, you know, one of those very tricky things as someone who is mentally ill, one of the things he and I talk about, which is, Sometimes that stuff leads to really ill-advised choices and, and it is also medical. So things all cross over and it's, it's going to be a very hard one for people to listen to and decide how they feel. I'm going to ask to please look for compassion, look for empathy, even though I have a feeling a lot of people are going to not like a lot of the choices that the caller made. I think the caller might agree with you. It's going to be a tricky one to listen to and a divisive one. It's going to bring up emotions and I'm, I'm very fascinated to see what the reactions are. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Um, and my Facebook is right Hello? Hi. Oh, Who's that talking about? <laughs> Free plug for in the background. Holy cow. <laughs> are you kidding? I'm on here with you? Yeah, what's up? I was li- I was literally getting called on to introduce myself in the meeting that I was in. Oh, you're in a don't get fired from work for this. Oh, uh, no, no. Uh, this is way 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 more fun. And you won't get in any trouble for blowing them off as they talk about no. that sounded like big time stuff. <laughs> no, but you might need to to uh to like take out of the uh call. It's very specific to where I live. Um, 
But anyway, okay. how are you? We can bleep that. We'll bleep the name of the corporate entity. And let's, you know, we won't delete <laughs> That'd be good. it. If we can make a note, let's not delete it. Let's just bleep it a bunch of times and let everybody know forever what corporation <laughs> was being mentioned <laughs> at the top there. That's, that's good. Um, but how, yeah, I literally was like, it was, they, they were calling on me as you came on. It was about exactly as I thought it might happen. Horrible. Again, again, if you need to go do some work, I would, I might recommend it because this, this will be fleeting, my friend. No way. That was going to be a boring, boring meeting. This is, this is way more important. That's good. Um, Oh, God, I finally made it through. So, um, the timer so I can keep track of how long we're talking. Uh, I had an affair that ended my marriage and we kind of bonded over beautiful anonymous, uh, at the very start, which I mean, I've always kind of just been grateful to you <laughs> because of that. Hold on. You bonded with your ex-wife or you bonded with the person I had, the, the person I had the affair with. So you had an affair that ended in a marriage. And one of the things that you bonded over in the course of connecting was my work. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know and how to you feel didn't about that. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not blaming you. I just, uh, I've always kind of had this connection to beautiful anonymous. that started then it was, um, there was an episode I was actually looking for it while I was on hold. Uh, of the dude, he was like inappropriately, uh, not inappropriately, it was just he was overly close with a coworker and he was like calling from a closet. I couldn't remember what the name of the episode was. I remember um, that one. This is, this is an old one. This is like yeah. four or five years ago. That was a while ago. I, I, there's been yeah. so many, but yeah, I remember that. Um, but yeah, that episode, like, like I just remember her sending it to me and being like, you should listen to this. Um, and uh, so there's always been the, the, the first time we kissed, we were watching uh, Career Suicide. No, um, no, 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 no. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So she, so if I'm piecing this together, okay, this is very meta, <laughs> this is very head spinning. So that's how you discovered the show, was that someone said, uh-huh. And it sounds like if I'm connecting the dots, maybe you and she had some in a, some what would be, and we'll get into the details, but some what would have then been inappropriate flirtations. And the call was someone who had some similar feelings to a coworker and the, this person sent it to, to you like, Hey, you might identify with this person. Cause I have a feeling you're feeling these things about me. Uh-huh. And then you put on my show where I ramble for 75 <laughs> minutes about different times I've tried to kill myself and you made out with this person. Uh-huh. Have you ever simultaneously loved a story and hated a story so much? Have you ever had that experience? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then that's why I thought it would be of interest to you, uh, both in a, like that same kind of love and hate thing. And then also because, I figured it would also probably make you a little uncomfortable. It certainly does. It certainly does. And <laughs> now one thing I want to say, and I'll get this out of the way and you and I are going to have a good call and I always roll with the punches on the call, but I will say, I want to know everything. Obviously also want to say like, we're laughing right now and giggling about it, but I do also want to say there, you know, there's another party in this who I, I don't love being, you know, the, uh, I don't love knowing that I was a step in someone else getting hurt who would be your ex-spouse. And we're, yeah, you know, yeah. I feel and like everybody listening right now is like, before we laugh too hard, let's also just say <laughs> cheating's not kind or a cool thing to do. And that I'm sure is something you've thought long and hard about too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. And, and it's not just, there are several people and there's several people beyond that. And honestly, it is at this point, such a small piece of the bigger story that like, I, you know, I mean, I'm happy to talk about it, but it's also not, it's not as relevant as way back when, when I wanted to be on this show and talk about it, when I would have talked about it the whole time. Okay. Um, but Good yes, time. I agree with you. It is not, to be glorified and 
I am absolutely not proud of it. Um, and the, the, but it's a part of my history and it can't be ignored. And that detail that I just shared is one that I thought would be interesting to you. Yeah, I feel like, yes, that's good. You ah. and I are on the same page. <laughs> can you and I laugh about the fact that I was what can only be called weirdly involved in the dissolution of a marriage and a, a love and the birth of a love affair. Yeah. I can laugh about that now. It also sounds like it tore your life apart and a bunch of, a bunch of, a bunch of uh, mayhem was left in its wake. And I don't want to laugh about that. No, no. And it it wasn't, um, it was, you know, I think I was sitting and thinking about kind of how I wanted to, to think about this and talk about this. And uh, I think the, the if I were to summarize kind of that plus everything that's come since then, it's kind of the idea of, of how do you know when you're actually happy? Um, yeah. And, and how do you, when you feel happy, how do you know it's true or, and not just a product of kind of the moment? Um, and that's kind of been, I think, the longer view on all of that. Um, and, you know, to my ex-wife, uh, you know, like we, we had a good you know, period of time together, but at the same time, we probably weren't right for each other. And rather than deal with that in a mature and, and adult way, I kind of just threw a grenade. And when you were watching Career Suicide, when did you lean in for that first kiss? Was it the part where I talk about crashing a car on an effort to kill myself or the part where I talk about how Adderall made me shit blood? When did you say now's the time? So, I wasn't going to, like, I don't know the content, but I do know that there was a pause screen of just your face. And that is the part that's more burned into my mind rather than okay. the... Uh, the actual topic you were discussing at the time. Uh huh. So it wasn't the part where I talk about how Risperdal made me ejaculate a, th- uh, a low low pressure spritz of water <laughs> instead of ejaculate. You didn't say. You can't pinpoint that as the moment you went pause. <laughs> Let's cut to the chase this, and make this out. Is, is, the, is the most perfect time? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure that that was not. Not the moment. It was earlier. It was, it was, it was in the early stages of the show. So you know, you're, I mean, you know the flow better. Well, listen, it's been many years since I've done the show, and it's <laughs> it's too painful for me to watch it, but I can say it's one of the least sexy things ever made in the history of the <laughs> entertainment industry. So you, there must have been real crackling energy between you, you and her. If Yeah. And are you and this person still together? Oh, no, no, no. Um, I got a divorce, and uh, it kind of re-energized her and her husband in a way that, that I'm very happy for them. Oh, she was married, too, at the time. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. Oh, wow. And we all didn't work directly together, but we all worked in the same industry. Oh, um, so, and so there was a lot heads. of... And did everybody hear yeah, about it in your of, industry? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, it was, I thought I was, I thought I had pretty much ended my career. And because um, it just, it just, it's a small, tight community. And most of, a lot of people knew. And, um, and so it was pretty brutal on that. And I kind of just went through my work at the time, assuming that I was going to get fired sooner or later. And did, uh, you, did you eventually get fired? I, I didn't. No, um, I'm still still doing that work. Although right now I ditched a meeting for this. Do all of these people um, still work in the same? Yep. So you all yep. all four people, all four parties, and they still have to deal with each other on some level professionally. Uh periodically. Like COVID was kind of a, a well timed gift in the sense that like you just didn't run into people, whether it be at work or 
in meetings or in restaurants. And so that kind of created some space that um, probably probably was good for everyone. Because um, there's a long period of time. I still do it to a certain degree. Uh, you know, walking into a place and kind of scanning the room to see if there's anybody in it. It's me more than usual. Yeah, I mean, that's... I would imagine that's one of the things that happens when you go down the roads you went down is you are now going to have people in your life who used to feel one way about you. And now they, they have a lot of yeah. anger, resentment, or as you say, even hate. And you gotta, that's, yeah. that's a bit of a burden you have to bear now, huh? Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, of, of, there's kind of like, there were some people who kind of disappeared from my life that I was okay with that happening. Um, and then there were a core group who just stuck with me the whole time. And then there was kind of like, there's only really three people who, like, I was surprised I lost them and, and sad I lost them. And, um, and, and still, you know, wish that I had them with me. But, uh, you know, yeah, it, it, it changes your entire set. I mean, I kind of, at this point, like, don't have, a lot of friends. Let's pause there. I kind of at this point don't have a lot of friends. I gotta say, not the most shocking thing to find out based on what this call is. And there's a lot more revelations along the way, a lot more uh, very nitty gritty details of how situations like this go when we get back. Thanks to our advertisers who help us bring the show to the world. Now let's finish off the phone call. It changes your entire set. I mean, I kind of, at this point, like, don't have a lot of friends. And I'm okay with that, but it's just, it went from a very different environment to that. So you talked about how this experience is a piece of a story at this point. And the story is about figuring out what happiness is, how you know you have it, how you know it's real. What's the uh, what's the bigger yeah. pi- what's the bigger picture aspects of that that you were indicating? Yeah, I mean, I think it was. Um, I mean, the the, the affair and the end of the marriage was an all time low, and um, I I even got uh, uh, got arrested for trying to grab my my spouse's cell phone from her, and. Um, Someone else who was there, like, freaked out and called the police. And the police said, you know, she made contact. It's a, it's an assault. And so I literally, like, got let out of my house in the handcuffs, out onto the street in front of my neighbors, and, and down to the police station. Um, and all of that was dropped. But, like, it was still just this, like, uh, you know, like this moment of, like, I'm in handcuffs. Like, I never thought I'd be here. Um, and uh, I remember the the cop said to me, like, we were riding, and he looked at me, and he just was like, you know, you're going to be all right. You're going to get through this. And, and my response to him was like, you know, I'm actually all right right now because, like, all I feel is just relief of just, you know, like, there's, no, there's not anything to hide, and, like, whatever's going to happen with my marriage is going to happen. And, like, it was just this, like, almost sense of a weight being lifted off me. So when, um, when you're trying to grab your wife's phone, was this in the was this like in the course of her figuring out what was going on or questioning you about it or? Yeah, yeah, it was like in the in the confrontation, um, and uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was. I mean, it was. You know, I had to you know, I had to tell my boss about it, um, and it was just it was it was low, but. I think, you know, that sense of relief was, was an important piece. Um, and then you're kind of at the spot where you're like, okay, I'm kind of starting over. Um, and you, you, it's a, you have a freedom to kind of make choices. And, um, I don't know. It was, it was a, a good process, even if it was brutal uh, as you were going through it. Wow. What, uh, because um, I got to ask, like, and you must be aware of this, that this is, this is very interesting and you have a lot to say, 
and I am excited to talk about it, but you're not the sympathetic character in this story, right? Like, <laughs> of course not. No, and, and, and I wouldn't deserve to be. And you, like uh, hearing no, that, that, hearing that you got arrested for something that the police said was assault. That's also something that I got you just got to stop and say, like, don't love hearing it. Right. Like doesn't, again, another thing yeah, I got to I mean, underline, like, like, sounds like, sounds like you went through a world of shit. Also sounds like you caused a world of shit. And I don't want, I don't want yeah. to not say that. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing. No, I, 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 well, I was, I guess I'm left wondering, like, from the perspective of someone where this hit an all-time low perspective where you're in a cop car going, I actually feel free right now because I'm no longer hiding anything like that. It, that's like a movie moment in your life. And that you stop and think about it, telling a police officer who's just arrested you. Well, at least I don't have to hide anything anymore. At least whatever's going to happen is going to happen now. At least there's all that distress of hiding is gone. That's low. That's a real low moment. If you could look back If you, you know, there's people all over the world right now. There's people who might be listening to it going, none of this stuff is cool what I'm hearing, but I sympathize. I'm, I'm walking down a similar road. If you could have made some different choices along the way, what are the things you didn't want to recognize about your marriage before any of this happened? What are the juncture points where you wish, you know, you look, I'm sure you must look back at certain points and go, there could have been an action taken here that could have gone differently. There could have been a conversation that happened about this at this point that would have changed things in a way that was less brutal. I wonder if you think about those, because I think that could possibly be very useful to people who are listening who might go, you know, I'm in a marriage that has problems or I'm in a marriage where I don't think I'm as happy as I thought I was going to turn out. Yeah, I think... God, I mean, you know, so you, you asked, like, um, oh, my mind blanked on it. Um, you know, what would you have done differently? Like, that's effectively, or maybe even not, yeah, you know, maybe not even gotten married. Like, that, that looking back with the, you know, with the, with the Dieter hindsight, like, our relationship before we were married was way harder than a good relationship needs to be. And I'm in there, you know, like, but I didn't realize it then. And, and the irony is you kind of can't realize it until you go through it. And then you also go through one where it's easy. And, and you, and you realize that, Hey, this is what it's supposed to be like. But I, I think, you know, why didn't I just do that? Why didn't I just get a divorce and or try to you know, end it in a normal way? Um, I, I think part of it is you don't want to admit defeat. Um, that like, hey, what am I doing wrong that, that is making this not work? And like, have I tried hard enough? And you know, can I be better at what I'm doing in a way that that she'll be happy and and will be happy? Um, and so some of that is just kind of like I don't want to admit that I failed. Um, I think some of it is just the like you don't want to be the person who who ended it if the other person thought it was no good. Um, I don't know. And I think I was just a little cowardly, frankly. Wow. So you knew in your heart, you knew in your heart, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's really rough, man. That's really rough. And were but there like moments? The difference between the, oh, no, sorry, the moments, moments between what? The moments between what? Oh, no, I thought you were going to ask, were there moments? Oh, well, I was going to ask when you look back on it, had you, had you given up or did you think it might turn around? Like, I'm wondering if there was a tipping point at which you knew. Because it's one of those things. Every marriage has ups and downs. And the downs can feel really horrible, right? And then you sit there and you pray that the ups come back. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine 
the people who have the, the best marriages in the world would, would say you have to work really hard. So yeah. had, had you given up or did you, was there still a party that did legitimately think maybe, maybe we can fix it? Um, at the end, like pre-affair, I had given up. You had. Um, like, I think we had put in, like, I felt like we were having the same problems over and over. Um, we had put in a lot of work against them. Um, and not made any progress. And I, like, I, yeah, I felt like it was like, what are we going to go to see marriage counselor again? Or, you know, at some point you just need to, to like, like admit what's reality and I think I was not doing that I don't know I was just I was done trying yeah so at that point you could have gotten out of there oh yeah most definitely um but it it, um yeah it was it was not a good choice uh and, and like I said, it's not something I'll always be ashamed of and feel bad for the, you know, the, the various people who are hurting it. And even, even our friends, like I mentioned, the people who, who I lost to, I'm really still sad I lost. Like, I think they were, there's this aspect of like surprise that comes from these kinds of things where people realize or feel like, I thought I knew you. Yeah. Um, and then I think there were some people who kind of saw it and were like, well, what does this mean for my marriage? Um, but and I get that. Um, yeah, I, I'm sad that the, the, the several people couldn't realize that you know, one thing is not the full composition of a person um, and that you can, you know, forgiveness is, is kind of the role of forgiveness. But, um, Look, I made my own bed, and, and that's yeah. I can't, I can't point blame at anyone else. Yeah. And how many years ago was this that this all went down? Oh, where are we at? So about four. Yeah. And how how are you feeling yeah. today? I'm great, and that's kind of <laughs> uh, that's kind of the you know the concept of like how do you know when you're happy? Um, you know, right after. Right after all that happened, I got an apartment and I kind of like just had like a, a period of time where I was operating with, with um, kind of two guiding things of like try something new and what's the worst that could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the worst that could happen is kind of the, the one that probably was the most helpful and then like dangerous at the same time because I think it helps you be grateful for um, the things you have and, and, and how lucky you are with, with everything around you so even something as simple as like ordering something off a menu that you've never ordered before what source can happen you don't like it either eat it or you eat something else but you should be grateful that you know, you're able to have the funds to eat out and you know that you can go to cool places so like just do it um but I think you know, when you think about my job and getting fired, so kind of what's worse that could happen? Like, I don't know, like I could move in with my parents or I could move across the country. Um, but I think like you know, the, the deepest, darkest side of what's the worst that could happen is my whole life falls apart and I kill myself. And so like when you kind of feel like, oh, well, you know, there's always this last thing you can um, it can make you sloppy with your decisions. That's real. That's very real. Yeah. So where's that? Happen? And I didn't pick that last. I, I didn't myself. pick up on that last part. So like, but you know, it's kind of this like the, the interesting. It was like a slow burn to get to that too. Yeah. Um, because usually it was just like something mundane, like I'll order another meal. But then it's like, then every once in a while you'd have that, like that one slip in like, well, who cares? I'll just exit the planet. Um, unemployed, don't want to live with my parents, no money. Cool. I'm going to stop. Um, and I didn't get too close to that, but like, 
I definitely recognized it as what's the worst that could happen. And then I'm okay with that. And that's a really dangerous, scary place to be. Yeah. Now, here's a question that I'm, I'm, I'm almost nervous to hear your answer. <laughs> well, cause here's why, because you are someone who's thought long and hard about this and you, you clearly, I feel like, cause look, we've had people call up even recent calls. We've had people call and talk about, um, you know, infidelity, but I don't know if we've had a guy, I think, you know, we've heard from people who said, you know, I was cheating on my spouse and then I realized that I wasn't straight and that I was exploring this side of myself. We've had like that version of the story, but this is just a more bare bones. Like, yeah, no, I did. I did somebody else dirty and I'm owning it. And, but the thing is you have not showed any hesitation to say like, I can own up to what I caused. And I will tell you a truthful answer, knowing that people listening might not like it. Like you, you've been really good about that. And I feel like there's probably a lot of people listening right now going, I do not like what this guy pulled, but man, he's making me respect him. Cause he's also just owning it. Like, I feel like there might be some people who are listening with that, that, uh, reaction right now. So I'm very fascinated to know, cause you've clearly thought long and hard about this. So you had this life. It was locked down in a way you realized you weren't happy. You realized that you had given up on it. And instead of getting out, you went and got really into some nerdy comedian and decided to make out to a sad special. Tore your life down. There's friends who judge you to this day. Um, hit a low point with this guy. All this stuff we've heard. Looking back on it now, How much of the unhappiness back then was the marriage was unhappy or you were in a situation where you were unhappy and how much of it was that you internally were an unhappy person and that needed to be fixed regardless of that? Good for you for asking that. Um, I'm going to answer it, but I need, I want to circle back on one thing. Uh, uh, kind of to what you were saying, right? I want to make it clear that just because I'm owning it doesn't make it right and doesn't make it, it's not like a free pass that makes it, you know, that I get the absolution for it. Um, I don't want people to think that. Um, uh, just it's, it's a subtle piece of it, but it's I'm for sure. sure we call that out. You've been very, very honest. Because um, it is, it's like you're telling yeah. all this stuff and you're also saying, oh, you know, I thought about killing myself afterwards. I was in the back of a cop car. It was. I think you're making it very clear that it doesn't sound like it was pleasant at the end of the day. It doesn't sound like it was worth it. And I don't think, yeah. I don't, I don't think you are presenting it as such. Yeah. Um, but to your question about unhappiness, I think uh, you're, you're spot on with that question. And, and that, that's kind of the, when you think about what I was saying earlier, it's like, how do you know when you're happy um, or not happy? Like I have bipolar and I'm still, you know, kind of, I think you're always learning it, but I had less, less awareness and understanding of it, you know, during the years I was in my marriage. Um, and the depressive side of it, um, was really, really, really hard on my ex-wife. And it, it kind of like agitated her in a way that was like just, extra agitating um and i can't i can't even really like describe that more but like you know that that added a layer to our to our marriage and then i you know would know that like hey i'm depressed and she's really just frustrated by that which then makes me hate myself more and then you get into this little spiral um but yeah there was tremendous uh kind of depression and um you know spending the day in my bed or whatever and having that be something that, that she just, she couldn't handle it. Let's pause there. You're getting real in another way right now. All these things tie together, don't they? We're going to look at how when we get back.
Thanks again to our advertisers for bringing Beautiful Anonymous to the world. Now we're going to finish off the phone call. But yeah, there was tremendous uh, kind of depression and, um, you know, spending the day in my bed or whatever and having that be something that, that she just, she couldn't handle it. Um, and it wore on her. And, and rightfully so. Like, I, I, I feel, you know, I feel horrible for having put her through that. Um, and I, you know, I, I wish that I had a better control, like, not control is the wrong word, but better uh, kind of awareness of it at the time. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, with bipolar, obviously you have the manic side, so you've got these, these lows, and then you've got these highs. And so when you're having one of the highs, like, the world is just wonderful, and everything's great. And everything you do feels just, you know, like the best thing ever. And so, like, you can't trust either of those, the up or the down, mm-hmm. because both of them are kind of, you know, having this additional factor weighing on them. So you're constantly saying, do I actually, am I actually happy right now? Or am I just running on a manic episode? Am I actually unhappy right now? Do I actually hate my job or am I just depressed? And so it's like nothing makes me happy. Um, so yeah, there's a tremendous internal component to it. Yeah, that sounds like a perfect storm. Sounds like a perfect... <laughs> well, in the sense of, you know, you saying, owning up to the fact that you were massively depressed and that this is a medical issue, which again, doesn't give anybody a pass. You, you're being clear about that. But then to hear that that caused further disconnect in your marriage... You can see, I've, you know, I've, I've been in relationships where my depression has really strained those relationships. And I look back, I remember once someone came up to me, someone saw career suicide. I did it in Brooklyn. This was when I was just working on the show. I never forgot this. And she was like, you know, I dated this guy and he was bipolar and I couldn't handle it. And I just ghosted him eventually. And I feel so bad right now. Having watched your show, I said to her, and I bet you would agree with this. I said to her, first of all, don't feel bad. She was like, really? I was like, no, it's, it can be a nightmare. It can be a nightmare to date somebody like me. Like I know that I have made relationships harder. And she was like, but what do I do? Cause I feel like I understand the guy more. I was like, just email him and tell him what you're telling me. He'll appreciate it. He'll appreciate it. Like he'll appreciate that you're hearing this, you're figuring this out years later, but also understand like you're allowed to get out of a relationship with someone whose depression is out of control if you can't handle it. Like, and so I, I know exactly what you speak of. And it, it does beg the question too of, I mean, now we're getting super real. When you have manic episodes, um, you do not need to dig deep. The depression side of it, people understand a lot more than they used to. You know what depression looks like. Depression presents itself as extreme sadness. Now, having been through it, you and I can both vouch for the fact of it's related to sadness, but it's, it's not, if you've never been through it, you can't just go, I know what it's like to be sad. That sucks. You're sad all the time. It's more all consuming than that. It is more, uh, damaging than that. It's very hard to describe verbally, but people can at least see the analog. Mania is just as dangerous and in some ways more dangerous because I don't think people who don't experience this stuff have the analog in their life. They don't go, oh, I've been really happy and I see why that's a problem for you. Because when they're really happy, it's a good thing. Sadness, they can, they can understand that a magnified version of that would suck. But mania is not happiness. It's like, imagine if you wanted your every minute of every day to feel like you feel at when you are at the bottom third of a water slide is, you know, maybe one way that people might go. Like, imagine if you wanted your day-to-day existence to feel that sort of adrenaline fueled and out of control. And it's different for everybody. And there's no way to describe it. Point being, this is connecting a lot of dots for me. And I have to wonder if, you know, one way that mania often presents itself is with people acting out sexually. When you look back, do you feel, and no making excuses here, this conversation of mental health and people also having personal culpability for their choices, even if they suffer from mental health issues is a tangled up one that we have not fully had as a society yet. But that being said, do you feel like you were chasing the dopamine that people often chase in manic episodes? Or do you feel like it was a little bit more cut and dry, the marriage is over and 
I'm straying. Uh, I won't answer that. No one will come back to Mania, but to, the, I, you know, I'm sure that Mania played a factor maybe in, in the startup, but it lasted for a while. Mm-hmm. And so, and it lasted, actually, it, it lasted through a depressive episode. And, you know, I think what kept it going to there was that, like, I, I it, was, it was, I mean, it's a fake relationship, right? But, like, it still it gave me this feeling like, hey, I can be happy in a relationship. Um, and, and that's the end how I feel in my marriage is not like, it doesn't have to be like that. Um, but yeah, I'm sure, you know, the, the mania was, was along for the ride at some point. I think, you know, I, I just in the past couple of years really understood the mania side of my life. I used to kind of complain that like, after I had the bipolar the, the diagnosis, and I was like, well, this sucks. Like, like he called me bipolar, bipolar. I'm very aware of the depression, but where, where's my fun side? Um, and, uh, I, over the years, I've kind of gotten a better understanding. Am I, am I allowed to like plug like somebody on YouTube? It's not at all affiliated with me. It's just a good doctor on YouTube. Go that, for that it. If there's, me, if there's somebody who's helped yeah. you, just prepare for the internet comments. There yeah. will be half people going, yeah, this person's great. And half people going, this is a snake oil salesman who's dangerous. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, she's a, she's a legit psychiatrist, psychologist. Um, but for me personally, she, how she heard, she has a whole series. One of her playlists is named a woman named Dr. Tracy Marks. And I think it's, uh, anyway, uh, but she has a playlist on, on her episodes on mania. And when she started describing it, like, I don't know what was different from how I've read about it and how others have been like, all of a sudden I was like, Oh yeah, I totally have that happening. Um, and so, like, that was kind of, you know, whether people like her or like somebody else, you know, the lesson there is, like, continuing to, like, you don't realize how much work, like, like proper mental health is, both from, like, you know, consent, continuing to, to challenge assumptions and um, your own assumptions about something, and then, you know, finding sources of information that, that provide the information in a legitimate way, but also in a way that resonates with you. Um, and then with the medicine, like the medicine is such, it's a, it's a creep. You're constantly tuning it, um, and constantly adjusting. And, and like people will be like, Oh, I took a medicine and I didn't like it. So I stopped and the medicine doesn't work for me. That's just not how it works. Like, like I'm, like you're just always like having to pay attention to how you feel and then make adjustments because of that. Um, it's a, it's a proactive process that I don't feel like a lot of people really explain as people are dealing with it. But, um, you know, the mania side, like I, I literally, for the, for the, my girlfriend, when I was going through one, I was going through a bad one and I just, I did two things for her. One was I like kept track for two days of all of my little ticks that I noticed and made a list of them. And now both of us have that list and can watch for it. And because you know, to your point, like people don't realize it's happening with people around them. They're just like, oh, life of the party is here. Um, and you, you don't realize that they're like, oh, that guy's super productive at work and he's just so engaged. Um, and then you start looking at the checklist, you're like, oh, I can't hold still. Like I'm constantly twitching. Like I can't do this. And for me, like my media pieces are very specific. And so I gave them to her. Um, and then I also quite terrifyingly to both of us, like literally just started typing stream of consciousness, uh, one afternoon when I was just feeling especially wound up and I just showed it to her and I was like, look, here's what it looks like inside my head. Um, and it was like, like borderline gibberish by the end of it. Yeah. Um, and so she's, you know, she's got that now and she can see it and she can know that she can deal with it. And on the depressive side, she just knows that I might you spend the day in my room. And this is your current girlfriend. Yeah. 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 It's mania is really nasty. And, um, 
you look, you kind of look back to the prior generations and you go, Oh man, like the bipolar people, like bipolar men back, back before we were comfortable with mental illness as a conversation, bipolar men, you can think back to a lot of guys from prior generations where it was like, well, you were alcoholics who cheated on your wives. And you're like, Oh, some of you were just that. And then some of you were depressives medicating with alcohol because you didn't want to admit that you need to see a shrink. And then the cheating was manic nonsense. That was yeah. like, you, you look back, you go, Oh, you can see it. You can see how in a, in the generations that just would not admit mental weakness, you can see, Oh, I know people who are like that, who just screwed up their whole lives in two different directions, five different directions. And then manic stuff. If anybody's out here listening, going, I still don't get it. I would say, I remember being in my twenties, having a similar thing. The stream of consciousness writing was very eye-opening. I don't know if you would agree with this, but I think some other stuff too is like, you start to feel a little invincible and then you start to realize that you're, I don't know if you would do this too, but it's like the people I'm trying to charm the most are actually people who I'm not that close with because the people I'm close with are going to go, what the fuck is going on right now? And I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> I want the ride to continue. So it's yeah. like, like you were saying, oh, the life of the party's here but it's partying with a lot of people I don't know all that well or who are more acquaintances than friends because I'm doing whatever I can to avoid yeah. the people that are going to go, you got wild eyes right now and this is not like you. And, um, you know, you start to compartmentalize stuff and keep something secret because again, you know, okay, I'm getting an adrenaline rush from my behavior, but if people under, if people start questioning my behavior, I'm going to have to maybe admit to myself that this doesn't feel right or doesn't feel normal. So, I'm going to have one area of my life that other people, other people don't even know about this area of my life. Even people really close to me start to get into all those nasty, nasty loops and habits. And it's a bad thing. And it's funny. One of the things about the conversation with mental health advancing is that it even, it means even more so it's also not an excuse. It's not an excuse for other people to get hurt. It's not an excuse for other people to get yeah. left in the wake of it. Almost even more so. I think a lot, there was this basketball player years ago named Royce White, I believe was his name. And he had, he was very open about his mental health troubles. And this was years ago when people didn't take it as seriously. And and then he, you know, he, he couldn't fly because he had such extreme anxiety and he held out and I remember watching it all and going, I want to support this guy a lot, but he's also, he's like not getting on the team plane and he's not traveling and he's drawing all these lines in the sand. And I don't know how much of this is how he's being presented versus his behavior, but I'm going, you don't want to make it, you don't want your mental illness to be a reason why no one ever hires another person with mental illness. You know, you want to be the person to kick down the doors. Now I'm not judging that guy who knows maybe the media just presented him as crazy because it was the convenient thing to do. But I think about it a lot of it's really, really good and healthy that we're all talking about mental health more. It also means even more so there were probably shrinks and doctors to be helping who could have helped avoid. It. And I, I like hearing you say, I, can't, I don't know if I can blame my affair on a manic episode. It might've been a factor, but it lasted too long for me to write it off for that. Again, you, you know, you, you did a thing that I don't think anybody's going to give a thumbs up to, but the way you're speaking about it now, very much a straight shooter. And I do appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I get like, you talk about like kind of looking back on some of the men in our past, you know, like some of them might've been dealing with mental illness. Some of them might've just been asshole drunks yeah. and we can't let, like we can't let mental illness just become the, the pass for that. And I, I get, always get concerned. Like it's, it's the downside of, of having an open conversation about it because I feel like people start to just use it as a, as a, as a you know, get out of jail free card. Yeah, um, similar. I have a for someone who's been a public advocate about mental health, I also have a little bit of a hair trigger on that too of like, it, yeah. if anything, it needs to be the opposite of a get out of jail free card. It needs, it actually needs to be a conversation that's so open. It's a, it's, it's akin to going like, Hey, I'm so sorry that I showed up in your house and coughed a lot and got you sick and people going, yeah, but you could have gone and gotten antibiotics a week ago. If you knew you were coughing, why'd you do it? And you know, uh, almost similar to me of like, there's treatment now and we're talking about it now. So get treated and make your life better, make the life of everybody around you better. 
and find that middle ground where it's not, it's not an albatross that hangs down on your neck and, and, and negatively affects your quality of life. And also understand that by really seeking treatment, you're giving everyone else in your life a gift of, by removing the weight from yourself, you're also removing some weight from them and, and, and everybody gets to see you at your best and get a little bit of pressure relieved, um, from their own lives too. It's a gift you can give to everybody else. And it, it, it furthers the contract that the people who love you in your life will be able to help you when you do really need that help. It's a complicated thing. It's a complicated story. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I think my big thing that I, when I talk to people about my own stuff, is like, it's just be, people have got to put in the work. I mean, if you want to be, if you want to be able to be kind of at whatever a baseline is, like it's a lot of work and it's ongoing work. And it's, you know, like if somebody goes, wants to, to be big and muscular, like you've got to go to the gym all the time and you got to change the weight machine and you got to try new things. And like, it's not just like a, oh, I took this and it went away, like an infection. Um, somebody wants, always stuff like this, somebody wants to like just having a bad back, like, it, you know, at various times it's either hiding or, or really bothering you, but it's always there and you've got to, you've got to account for it. And, um, I, and I've always enjoyed that. I, uh, I totally agree. And I, I am left wondering to hear you say that right now, four or five years out from a point where you're going, well, the cop car was where I felt safest. And I sat around <laughs> thinking the worst that happens is I kill myself. It sounds like right now you're in a much better place and it sounds like you've been doing that work. Um, yeah. I mean, did you, in the, in the wake of everything, did you really double down and recommit to, I got to straighten my, straighten my stuff out and I got to get my stuff under control. Have you been putting in that work? I would have to um, imagine. Not as much as you might want me to say. <laughs> not as you want me to say. Like, no, not really. This like, is I think why I, just, I respect you. You give me the straight answers, dude. <laughs> you don't give I me mean, the I'm answers just, I want to like, hear. You give me the truth. No, like, I, I, I had a lot of fun. And I'm still going to have But, like, I had a lot of just kind of, like, single, just, like, no irony is, like, if I had not had all those experiences leading up to that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how good it is now. Hold on one moment. Can you hear me? Uh-huh. Okay. There's a stretch. Can you hear me? Yeah. I think it might be a problem with my internet. I'm, I'm staying in a weird place. I apologize for that. Okay. Um, I'm still just doing the same laps around the same table that I've been doing the whole call. <laughs> well, it sounds... <laughs> It sounds like you basically said, like, again, an answer that's not, you know, in, in a movie, in a script, you'd go, here's all the things I've learned. But it sounds like you're also willing to say part of the work you put in on yourself was you went out, you had fun. You had a life that was an unhappy life and you went and found the fun. And that was part of it. Is that about what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, that's and, the and real shit. Like, when you, uh, you know, kind of was talking about how do you know when you're happy? Like right now, I'm really happy. But then there's just always this, and it's a, it's a, it's a life that is so different than my old life. And so you kind of have to. Your first question is like, okay, am I happy and enjoying this just because it's novel, or or is it real? And then like you know, like you just don't ever quite trust yourself <laughs> with with where you are. Um, because like it's like your brain lies to you, and and so like that's the, I think that that what brought my original question of just like how do you know? Yeah, um, and I don't I don't think you ever can. I think you just have to try to make the most of what's in front of you, and um, and you know constantly be aware of everything that's around you. Here's something else. I wonder if you'll agree or disagree. <laughs> well. Because a marriage is a commitment. A marriage, you go through a ceremony. You get a certificate from the government. Mm -hmm. You maybe get one from a from a church or religious organization of of whatever you practice. Um, 
So it is different, right? But at the end of the day too, uh, I, I'm almost loath to talk. I think I've, I have maybe mentioned it years ago, but I once dated someone for years, very long time. And when we broke up, again, it goes back to career suicide. I talk about it. I fell off the wagon and I did some drugs. That was kind of my, I'm unhappy and I, I need to burn it down. And I wish I hadn't burned it down. Um, for you, the affair eventually was burning it down, right? Yeah. So mine was not as deep as a marriage, but it was a relationship that was off and on for many years. And one thing I look back on, I go, if anybody's out there listening and you're in a relationship where you know you're not happy, even if you're in a marriage where you know you're not happy, one thing that was really eye-opening for me was you are allowed to leave a relationship just because you want to. And it doesn't matter what it looks like to other people. And if, if you're in a relationship where the other person goes, I need to know why, sometimes it's really hard and sad, but you are allowed to look at that person and go, I don't really have a why. I just know this is not for me anymore. And I know that that sucks and I know that it's hard and I know it might be blindsiding you. I just don't want to be in the relationship. You are allowed to do that. There's some people I think who live in relationships where they feel true emptiness and unhappiness and they feel obligated or bound because they can't exactly verbalize why that unhappiness is happening. But it's not a matter of figuring out why it's happening. If it's there, it's there. And if it's real, it's real. Now, don't, don't everybody go out and get divorced based on hearing this uh, on a whim. Lord knows there's enough people who have made decisions on whims when they discover my work. I'm on the <laughs> phone with one of them right now. Um, but you're also allowed to go, I don't exactly know why, but I am certain I'm unhappy. And I got to put that on the table and be honest with you. And it's not necessarily your fault. I probably leaned a little juvenile back in my youthful days of thinking, you know, there's just something that's not working and you can't fix it. It wasn't a matter of if she could fix it. It wasn't her job to fix it. I wasn't happy. It's not even necessarily anything she did. That's just where it went. I don't know if you would agree with that, but... Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I've, I've told friends of mine, like, you, you shouldn't be unhappy in your relationship, period. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you, you know, blow it up or leave, but you shouldn't be unhappy. And your happiness is your, your, is your responsibility. And so if you find yourself unhappy, then you need to figure out what actions need to be taken to fix that. And there's, there's a lot of possibilities. But, like, the bottom line is, like, you don't have to be unhappy in a relationship actually think that maybe one of the um, true marks of a strong relationship is the ability to look someone else in the eye and go, I am not happy right now. And we got to talk about it. That's a very hard conversation to have. But my guess is that the people with the happiest marriages are also the ones who have felt the most freedom to express on happiness, which feels like a faux pas, right? it almost always feels like an accusation or it feels like it's going to put some cracks in things that you can't heal, but unaddressed happiness is cancerous, right? That's a cancer. Yeah. I bet a lot of the happiest relationships are the ones where people could turn around and go, you've been a real bastard for the past few months. And I, we need to figure out, we need to figure out how to get back on the same page. Um, there also needs to be like, it's one thing to make that observation. It's another thing for that behavior to change. And that's, that's the, the harder of the two. Um, right. And I think that's right. uh, a lot of people fail there. Right. Cause then that, right. Then the but, next question comes down the pike. Do I want it to change? Right. Sometimes I bet people might yeah. go, people might be unwilling to go. Our relationship seems unhappy. Let's address it because they might go. And that would lead to the end of it. Um, but if it, it sounds to me like you are of a mindset and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but 
I have to imagine you probably could look back and would have preferred your marriage ended with a sad conversation versus the way it did end. I have to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it had to end. And that's something that like, like, yeah, like I don't, I don't second guess that aspect of things at all, yeah. but it should definitely should have ended in a very different way. And yeah. that's, um, you know, it's on me, but, uh, like the, the big thing, the other thing is like you can be at a spot that feels so low, and you can still play through it. And and if you want to, you can. Oof. Um, and I mean, you know, it's drive down the interstate, and you know which trees you'd run your car into at your low end, and like. You just have happiness and just easy, happy life. On the other end, and, and it takes work. And like, by no means, by the way, do I have it like worked out? Like, I'm still dealing with a lot of stuff, but um, spend a lot less time picking out trees to drive into. That's good. And a lot more, a lot more time, kind of just enjoying people around me. Good. And you're in a relationship now have to imagine that you have different thoughts about relationships. Um, We got four minutes left, so there's some daunting ones. Does your current girlfriend know about these incidents in your past? Do you think about potential marriage moving forward? If so, do you think about it differently? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she knows, I mean, as you might guess, like she knows everything. Um, There's, there's, you don't want to go around hiding, like, that's one of my like, you know, classes coming out of all that. Was like, just do not live with with the weight of hiding things, and just be honest, and and then live with live with uh, the, you know, whatever comes of the honesty. Um, so yeah, she knows, and she knew very early. We've been together two and a half years now. Um, uh, because I, you know, I figured the better she understands me and, and what my past is like the easier it is for her to decide whether I'm somebody she wants to be around. And, uh, fortunately she's, she's been okay with that so far. Um, yeah, we think about marriage. I, I don't feel any rush. Um, you, you're talking about like the church and kind of all the formality of marriage. I think one, like I've, I've, uh, as I've thought about marriage, like I, I, I think one thing that like gives me trepidation is just the idea of like, like asking my friends and family to come together again or something like that. Like, I just feel silly. Um, and I don't, it's, a, it's a weird thing that I've got to, you know, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, yeah I will get married. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, it's good. It's about as good as I can hope it could be. And are there, there's gotta be a lot of things that you think about where you go, well, if, if and when we do get married again, here's some ways that I'm going to behave differently. Like, I, but like at this point, like I don't mean to minimize the institution of marriage, but like if I'm not doing those things right now, like I'm saving, like then like we probably shouldn't be getting married. Uh, I mean, there is, you know, kind of the, the institutional aspect of it, but like, like I don't I feel like <laughs> I need to make sure that I've got everything good now because I don't think it's gonna be any different after we tie a piece of paper. <laughs> right. Right. That's a truthful answer. And you know what I like about it is like you're you know, effectively in some way what's that what that's saying is let's not pretend that marriage as a concept brings with it any keys that unlock things. Let's not pretend that it's a Rosetta stone that teaches you anything new. You got to have your head together and you got to have your heart in the right place. You got to have your priorities straight before you ever get there. And at the end of the day, when you get married, it's a very cool thing and you might have a big ceremony and you're going to sign some paperwork, but you are who you were two days before and you will be that person two days later. And the idea of marriage itself isn't isn't going to give you new tools in your tool shed. 
effectively sounds like that's what you're saying. Yeah, totally. I mean, like I said, you are who you are. I mean, the relationship is what it is. Yeah, and, and um, you can't hope it's going to change just because of the ceremony. Now, uh, and that's it. Like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, minimizing marriage. I just, it's, a, it's not, a, like you said, it's not a solution to everything. Now we have 25 seconds left and I'm wondering if you have any closing thoughts specifically because I will say people listen to these and then people tweet at me or they talk in a Facebook group and you gotta be, you gotta know there's going to be some people who are going to react poorly. I wonder if you, you know, your closing thoughts, because again, I applaud you. You've been so, so, so honest about so much stuff. Um, you have talked about how there's no excuses. You've talked about how it was not a good thing. You're not trying to glorify it. all of those things. And you put it out there in a way that I actually feel like is what a gift, what a gift, what a raw, honest conversation. But in closing, if there's anything you want to put out there for people, now's the time to do it. Um, I'm not smart enough to have that kind of wisdom. I will say, uh, I'll give you, you this advice. You came to my town and were put in a shit venue and you didn't like the whole town. And I think you should come back because we have better venues and we would love to see you again. Well, I've, I've never, I've never discounted a whole town because of a venue, but the only play I'm going to say, it, we're going to beat, we're going to bleep it. So hold on, Anita, <laughs> let, uh, Anita, let's bleep it. I have to imagine you're from, <laughs> are you from? <laughs> yes, I actually saw that show and it was a horrible location for you. It really was. And then. And I'm oh, sorry. No, I won't say too much more because I don't want to out you. And I've talked publicly a little bit about it, but <laughs> that was a rough experience. You wanted to, <laughs> you know, you talked about some personal low points. I could say that was in some ways a professional low point for me, but I can't wait to return because I've also been told over and over again before that show and afterwards that that town is kind of built for someone like me. I've been told that, and, and yeah. I was I was walking around that goddamn town after that horrible show, and people were stopping me like, "Yo, you here?" And you know, uh, we're gonna cut off the recording now. Okay, we're gonna cut off the recording now. We're gonna say goodbye to the listeners, and then I'm gonna vent to you Come, a little bit. Look, look, you deserve better than what we gave you, and I'm sorry. We're going to end it there. We're going to thank the caller. The caller and I talked for a few more minutes offline about that show in an undisclosed city. And I'll return to that city someday. Don't worry. Don't worry. And I know it wasn't the city's fault. It was, it was that promoter's fault. Anyway, everybody who's listening, take a deep breath. This one brought up feelings, I'm sure, for a lot of people. I'm sure there's things you wish I handled better. There's certainly things that I think the caller wishes he handled better in his own life and that you agree with the same. But take a deep breath and really... I do realize he's trying to speak very, very honestly. And uh, before you get too internet-y in expressing your anger, know that there's ways to express it that don't throw gasoline in a way that messes up your day. So just think about that. What's the way for you to express your feelings that's not gonna mess with you? Because there's a middle ground. Anyway, I'm not trying to say take it easy on the car. I'm trying to say let's remember that this is about honest conversations and that was a very honest one. I thank the caller for having it. I thank Anita Flores for producing the show. I thank Marcus Hom for engineering the show. The theme song is by Shell Shag. Thank you, Shell Shag. If you don't know about me and when I'm going out on the road doing live, beautiful, anonymous shows, live stand updates, chrisgeth.com, all the info is there. Wherever you're listening, there's a button that says subscribe or favorite or follow. When you hit that button, I can't even explain how much that helps our show succeed and thrive and increases the chances that we get to keep doing this. So please think about doing it. If you want our merch, it's at podswag.com, mug, shirts, posters, and more. If you want ad-free episodes, Beautiful Anonymous, I'm going to go to Stitcher Premium. You can actually get a free one-month trial at stitcher.com slash premium when you use the promo code STORIES.